Exit 52 podcast, instant analysis time. Just straight up pain here. 16-13, Steelers win over the Ravens. The Ravens' season comes to a close at 8-9. Six consecutive losses to end the regular season to put the Ravens' season to bed. Just an unbelievably painful way to end it with maybe the most hated Ravens opponent of all time, arguably, Ben Roethlisberger leading the Steelers down and a Chris Boswell game-winning field goal gets it done in overtime. In the Ravens' six-game losing streak, five of the losses were by three points or less. Really doesn't get any more hurtful than that. Banks, you were at M&T Bank Stadium to watch the, uh, the book close on the 2021 Ravens. What are your thoughts? I'm exhausted, man. I'm so tired. Like, this, just watching this team the last handful of weeks – um, it's just taking it out of me. I keep, keep like buying into reasons why we should have had hope in any given game or at, like the season as a whole. And I just sat out there in the freezing cold rain and watched, you know, three and a half hours of football, you know, extra eight or nine minutes, whatever that was. And just got, it was just miserable. It's just, you know, I'm watching red zone on my phone on and off and watching the Jags do their thing. And I'm getting all fired up and rough 10, six and, of course, we throw a red zone interception. Of course, we leave points on the board in the red zone. Of course, we, you know, turn the ball over with, you know, just not staying down on a fumble. Like, so many things where it's just so frustrating and so exhausting to watch where, you know, it makes you think about why you're putting as much energy into something as you are. And it's just – there's a part of me that's just very thankful for it to be over. Like, and I think – I think – even though they fought and scrapped and battled their ass off to the very end, I think that there is definitely going to be a part of this team that's going to be thankful that it's over today. It's like you said, if you're that tired, I mean, I couldn't imagine how draining it was. Like we've said the lot, cause it's, it's the same game every week. It's they've got the ball down three or down two or whatever, with two minutes left in a timeout. And again, it's just like the emotional and it was not even the last couple of weeks. It was all year. It just happened in the beginning they were in those games and they were just pulling them out again. I mean, the way the season started, like people forget how crazy that Raiders game was when it started. Like yeah. when, when that, the, those plays in overtime for the Raiders, that's when we kind of should have known, like, this is going to be a nuts year. This is going to be something. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it was, it was a wild ride for them. And again, like it seemed like last week or two weeks ago was the Dolphins game where it all started kind of going bad. And it's just, I mean, the, the last couple of weeks have flown by, I feel like, but it's, I don't know. Like, like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys are just genuinely exhausted. And, and I don't know, for you guys too, I don't know, or I don't know about you guys, that game seems super long for me. Like sitting on my, sitting at my couch watching it. I can imagine being there, Brian, like, like you were, but it just seemed like it was, even before the overtime, I was like, this game is four hours long already. Because it's probably because every play from the Steelers was a dink and dunk, like three yards, two yards, eight yards, three yards, two yards, eight yards. Gosh. Just da- it was like a JV high school. Like just, it was- there's, there's so many examples of that, but like the one that sticks out in my mind was uh, – I can't even remember if it was regulation or overtime, but Jimmy Smith just getting absolutely just spun around. Just overran that route by four steps and like – easy catch on the out. It was maybe in a fourth down play, maybe in third down. I don't even remember because there were so many of them that they all just run together. But that one, one near the end where the one where Johnson juked him out of his shoes. 
Yeah, it's just third, it just feels round. like it feels like that is going to be my lasting memory of Jimmy Smith going out for the end of his career. And that's sad. It's a sad thing to think about because he, you know, he's had a good career. It's been had certainly some ups and downs, but man, was that tough to watch. And I'm, I'm looking out, you know, from my section 528 and I could see the entire field and, and I continue to like look at our defense and how we're lined up. And it's like, you've got Tavon Young and Jimmy Smith out on the edge try and defend these guys. And then the guys on the inside are who are really supposed to communicate and handle all these like rub routes and underneath routes and all these types of things that require a lot of communication and, and execution. And it's Kevon Seymour and Chris Westry and like nobody's. And I'm just looking at it. And it's like, man, like this is, this is, we're actually in this as I'm looking at Jacksonville up three scores and like, it's right here in front of us. Can we do something? And then I look at the guys that are out there and it's just like, man, that's tough. And it, like, I don't want to go on Tavon Young and Jimmy Smith. There's two guys that are very capable or at least at given points in their career um, that don't deserve to be put in the kind of positions that compromise their abilities the way that they are. And they just, we just have no choice. And then I'm like watching Tyus Bowser go down hurt and um you know, Justin Houston for a couple plays there. It's just, it just felt like within this game, it was just like all the other games where, of course, there's multiple kicks in the nuts when it comes to injuries and little fluke plays and, like, the interception that um, was, like, caught, but he was getting up and it came out of his hands, or reception, rather. Like, just little things like that. And if it was called the other way and the initial call on the field was one way, they probably would have overturned it. Like, I feel like we've seen so many of those plays with the Ravens. Just so many, there's just so many different reasons why this season was exhausting. And I'm just, part of me is just thankful not to have to go through it for another Sunday. The Ravens defense, for the most part, you know, weren't able to kind of close the game there at the end and get a stop in overtime. And obviously gave up the touchdown um, that allowed the you know, Steelers to go ahead and then the Ravens forced overtime with the field goal. If you look at the stats, didn't play that bad. You have 314 total yards, which, like in today's NFL, is not that bad of a performance. Now, they're playing a guy that really can't throw the ball down the field at all. So, as we watched last week on Monday night, Ben just kind of throws it underneath. And the Ravens did have some issues tackling. Um, Patrick Queen missed a few tackles. Jimmy Smith missed a few tackles. Fryermuth was was tough for the Ravens secondary uh, to bring down at times. But to bring it back to the initial conversation about sort of the feeling that you get when the season ends and Banks talking about being exhausted and, and the game, I see you talking about the game being long. I just think that we watched a game today, and I said this to RDT before we got on back, before we started recording. Like, you watched these two teams were fighting for playoff spots today. Neither of these teams are very good. Like, you watch this yeah. game, and that was part of the reason why the game felt long. These two teams are not very good at all. The Steelers can't throw the ball down the field at all. The Ravens pretty much shut down the running game. I know everyone freaked out about Najee Harris last week, and he had a great run in overtime to pretty much seal the game. But, you know, he wasn't really doing that much. Latavius Murray looked like a changed man. But other than him and Mark (laughs) Andrews, the Ravens really had no offensive weapons. Both defenses, you know, at times couldn't tackle. I mean, I think the Ravens' situations are more glaring, but – you know, Mark Andrews just sort of threw Edmonds off of him in the one play in overtime. Uh, well, maybe that was at the end of regulation. All these drives are kind of hard to, to keep track of as you go through the end of the game. But I just thought it was a very, like, long sort of plotting game between two teams that 
would not have been playoff teams in the normal format, and neither of them would have deserved to be. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And now one of them, the Steelers, is probably going to get in and isn't very good. And if they're, I would have said the exact same thing about the Ravens. I'm not saying that saltily about the Steelers because they're the ones that get in. Like if the Ravens had had everything go their way and become the seven seed, they're a bad seven seed. They're not good. And we'll see if there was ever a good seven seed. Like on the other side of the NFC, the Eagles are also not good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that was sort of where I got to now watching the, the Dolphins are ahead. So the Ravens, you know, maybe would have only extended their season by about three hours. We'll see what happens here. But, um, I just came to the, and we've come to look at this conclusion over the past three or four weeks, but so much of it is, you know, we've tried to be like, they're fighting with injuries and that stuff is all true 100%. But like right now in the current constitution here in week 18, the Baltimore Ravens are not all that good of a team. And they, the reason they stay in the game is, is, you know, they're well coached and they have, they have talent. They have a lot of talent in parts of the field, a lot of them and they have a lot of time that's not on the field. So, yeah. I, I was going to say with, with the way that the Dolphins game is playing out, I don't know if that, lessens the blow a little bit being like all right it does well, you know again which is kind of like it, people it, it does it that, does so i was just thinking about this it does but like the issue is now in the in the raven steelers one-upmanship game this is always going to be something that is brought up i mean that that is the to me that was even more painful than losing the playoff opportunity because the playoff opportunity was so still had so many hurdles to clear that that wasn't even – I know the Jags thing was exciting. I mean, that wasn't even factoring in my mind as much to a certain point as I was like, God, I just want to beat this guy one more time. Like, let's just end this guy's career. And then if the playoff thing happens, the playoff thing happens. Like, fine, we'll, we'll be the seventh seed and we'll go lose a game next week probably, and that's great. And maybe Lamar comes back and win one game, whatever. But I think, like, for at least for me, the, like – native feelings of being like involved in a rivalry of that stakes took over. Whereas at the beginning of the game, I was only thinking about the playoffs and I was like, okay, if the Jags ahead. But as I went through and you're like watching the Steelers and you're watching big Ben who like credit to him, figured out a way to get it done. Um, that was, I just, that was pain. It was painful to lose that game to that guy that it just hurt. It's, and you know what it's going to be is now you're going to have the, the, the producers and like social media people, figuring out that they can now splice in the like big Ben walking on the field in Baltimore for the first time in 2006 or whatever. And then being able to put the ending of it, like Taylor, you're, you're like your social media brain was probably going crazy being like, we can have this, this, this story is going to come full circle now, because again, you can put in that clip of him yeah. walking off with a, you know, the same building, the same team, you know, with a win. And, and, and that's how he's going to close his regular season career. Most likely. Um, yeah, and, you know, I mean, it's going to be brought up in the Hall of Fame speech, I'm sure, like where he got his first playing and, and, and his last game and all that stuff. Um, the thing that I think would have been interesting if everything had gone the Ravens' way, and, again, maybe we'll find out tomorrow, maybe we'll never find out, is if Lamar would have played. Because, like you said, if, if, they, if the Ravens could have found a way to got in to get in and, God forbid, you know, Lamar somehow got healthy or it's like, hey, he can go this week, that's when it's like, all right, now maybe we're cooking with something and it could have been an exciting run for them. But who knows? They may never, they may just say it's an ankle sprain and, you know, we'll see him in, in May or whatever. I was going to say, I think if there's any doubt that anyone thought that there's like that much of a closeness between like the Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley thing, which I know that is, that is just a lot of overreaction initially. I mean, I feel like we've been very measured about praising Tyler Huntley and also, you know, criticizing him when he deserves it and I, he puts in a great effort every week 
in terms of, you know, you know, you don't, you don't see like bad body language. There's nothing that indicates you that he's not a great competitor, a great guy. Everyone seems to love him. He was just not good in this game. I mean, the, the, the end zone interception is a huge play in the game. He just didn't need to, and you could see it. You could see they panned to me. He's just like, oh my God, I can't believe I threw that ball. Like he had his hands on his head, like everyone in the stadium did. I'm sure everyone watching at home did. Um, he just made the wrong decision. Um, and I think even if the Ravens get three there, they probably win the game. Um, because then they, then they have the ball at the end with a chance to win. That Tucker field goals to win instead of the tie, theoretically. Um, just threw a bad ball. Just threw a bad ball. Just either throw that out or you're need it. I had a moment, maybe five. Go ahead. You guys have been going back and forth. I had, about five minutes ago, I just had this, like, realization, just remembering Hollywood just dropping that touchdown. Just, yes. just right in his hands. Yep. Just, yep. That yep. changes the game completely, too. Correct. And, and the so first I, down that he that had, was had the good opportunity ball. to make the play. And it's how Holly's credit. That was a good ball. Like he put that good in the throw, right good play. It, it was a good play by Fitzpatrick as well, but um, but, but oh, just yeah, opportunities. But just the one on the sideline was a very good play by Fitzpatrick. He probably it was like, even because even if he had had it initially with the two feet in bounds, it would have been interesting to see how they ruled it because Fitzpatrick was going to make he him came bobble. in and punched it right out. Yeah, yeah there was no way he was not going to be able to bobble it. So it would have been interesting to see even if he'd held on then bobbled, and then would he have been able to keep both feet in bounds? I don't even know if he could have completed the catch regardless. The touchdown was a huge play. Everyone's going to freak out about Hollywood, um, who for the most part had a pretty good year, but just didn't make make that play in the biggest. And, you know, that's a, you play, really, that's a play Tyler Huntley I think bugged make. me. That's a play Tyler Huntley did make in the one that he dropped. Yeah, right. So early in the third quarter, so that, that drop was right before halftime, if I remember right. There may have been a little period of time between that play and halftime where they start putting up milestones on the scoreboard of like, oh, uh, Mark Andrews, you know, broke the Ravens receiving record and this person broke this record and Justin Tucker, 66-yard field goal. And then it went to uh, Marquise Brown, first 1,000-yard season. He's looking up at the scoreboard doing the call God on on the Jumbotron like – five minutes after he drops a touchdown <laughs> and I'm sitting there just like, you better call some hands, my man. So just things like that, just continue to rub everybody in Baltimore the wrong way, myself included. Um, so, and it's It's going to be a bad taste in everyone's mouth for nine months. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, the a tough look. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, you know, that's kind of who he is, though. The, 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 the worst part about that, too, is, is in, of a Ravens season that had sort of a lot of hellish moments, you can kind of your, – your two of your biggest positive takeaways are the continued development of Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews as very good offensive threats in the NFL. Two 1,000-yard receivers, the Ravens haven't done that many times. Um, Andrews had over 100 catches. Hollywood had over 90. Like, that's pretty good production from two guys you, like, put a lot of like – Hollywood, a first-round pick, and then Andrews that you, you snare in the third round or whatever it is. Um, but, yeah. Well, Mark Andrews is a stud, by the way. I, 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 he's, not getting enough, he's not getting enough talk around the league. Around the league. And, he, by the way, another guy that people thought had drop problems, he has caught everything lately, Every, literally everything. Yeah, balls that are just like he's not – supposed to be ready for and it just hits him in the hands is just he just 
magnetizes it to his body. By the way, in uh, at the end of regulation, when they were trying to get down to get a field goal and they threw the ball and Huntley just sort of like popped the ball up to Andrews, that was the ultimate effort Mark Andrews down there somewhere. That was. Like, really Ky- was. Tyler Huntley. I, couldn't, Huntley was, I wasn't sure if, I could, if it looked that way to everyone on TV. But oh, it was. Seat, it was like, oh, we're just going to run a seam route. He's just gonna float it. Like, yeah, and just yeah, hope he, for the best. Kyle Huntley said to himself, "It was a hospital ball too." If I'm going down here, I'm throwing it to this guy. I don't care how many. Which fair enough. Like <laughs> I don't know how many people are on yeah. it, but I am throwing this ball to my best player, and that's that's how that's how I'm not getting sacked by TJ Watt. I'm 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 throwing this puppy down there. Um, a special shout out, by the way, to Latavius Murray, who ran like a man possessed today. And he was unbelievable. It RDT, you said it before. Banks jumped on. I think the Ravens are just hard to watch in the red zone right now. And I don't know how they couldn't get Latavius free on one of those um, red zone opportunities. That's why the the pick hurts so much from Huntley. Cause I almost just wish they'd run the ball again on that play, but um, he was great. He was part of the reasons the Ravens were in the game. Cause they could not really move the ball in many other ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that long, that long run was like, Oh shit, this is it. This is going to be, this Ravens running backs haven't popped off a lot of long runs this year. That's that was like shocking to watch. <laughs> I think they said they're still the only team in the NFL without a 50-yard touchdown because I think that was a 49-yarder. Oh my god! Which and again, I think we talked about it on no air. I don't know if, was, if it was on air or off air, but it's shocking that they don't have a, a thousand. Well, I guess now looking back on it, it's not. But imagine going into the season being like the Ravens are not going to have a thousand-yard rusher. You would have been like, oh, this is. Yeah. You would have been surprised if they would have mm. made it to game 17. Without a thousand yard rusher, I can't um, wait for people's like when J.K. Dobbins is starting to run the ball in training camp. People are just gonna be so fired up about that. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm already fired up thinking about it. Also, yeah. if if you if you could have placed a placed a bet on Harbaugh doing a fake punt, like I would have bet my house on it. There's no oh, way that, he was gonna that go. That felt like oh the gosh. most obvious fake punt situation <laughs> of the season. I was like, oh, we haven't. Really that was what was disappointing off. about it. Yeah. It was it was very obvious, but it was like they hadn't thrown one all year, and it was like if there's oh, like, time to throw one, it's going to be right now. And guess what? He threw it, and that was not a great. Sam Cook also had a 23 yard punt in this game. That weird was a day weird for, one. Weird day for him. It was a tough kicking day out there. The oh, I mean, it looked horrible. That's why Tucker's there. field goal to tie it just looking so unbelievably routine. I mean, he, it's just. And Boswell, that was why it was fun to – not fun, but, like, you had this, like, glimmer of hope. Even when they got it to, like, a 49-yard range before Harris bounced it outside and Jimmy Smith just made a bad play, took a bad angle. Um, Boswell is so shaky sometimes in the bad conditions. I know he gets, like, a lot of pressure for kicking Pittsburgh and starting to kick Pittsburgh. He's pretty good. But I was like, okay, 50, around 50, Chris Boswell, like, that's not guaranteed at all. Um, there, there was also a point where they were like, oh, it's a 61-yarder from here. And I'm like – I can hear the rain and ice on my window outside. Like, they're not going to kick a 61-yarder. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And like yeah. you said, like – That was – Like, no way. It just wasn't going to happen. I was waiting for Tomlin to send out the punting unit so uh, Brian could throw out the loser ball tweet. I was just waiting. I was like, oh, let me just put it down. I, down. I thought at the end of regulation when it was fourth and inches and your quarterback is six foot six and he's terrified of doing quarterback sneaks, that's when I was like, what are you doing here? Like, go for that. You have to go for that, I thought. And, and I know, like, on TV, they made a good point where they talked about, it, I think, on that fourth and eight, I think it was, where they said punting does nothing for, to, for the Steelers right now because, like, oh, they had to go for it in overtime. They had to. to yeah. 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 But you're, you're probably, you're, there's a big, big chance you're not getting the ball back and you have yeah. to win the game. 
It was, I think it was under three minutes, but yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought, cause I thought at first I was like, Oh my God, they're going to punt it. Like there's no way they're going to do that. And, and on that play, I thought, I mean, we can go back and look at it. I thought the defense was, was rough. I mean, it obviously was rough on that play. I thought it was a terrible throw by Ben. It was a great catch by, I think it was McLeod who caught it. Yeah. McLeod. Yeah. So he falling backwards, kind of like stumbling over. Clay's Campbell was like six inches away from deflecting it. First of all. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually, we always, I always give a TV take. I thought Ian Eagle and Charles Davis for the most part were really, really good today. And Davis nailed that. He did was I like, say, did I say Gumble? I think I was watching too much. Yeah, of the Titans yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you got forty games on every single time because you got you're trying to watch the Titans not blow blow it to the worst team in the league. But um, yeah, he and Ben kind of got around it. McLeod like came down and he had the drop. He had the drop mm-hmm. um with that ball that kind of floated and kind of I think it was that same drive. Um, Johnson had a big drop then too. Johnson did have a big drop. That, is, that it was like his Achilles heel last year. And and but. we had talked about it before. Banks got on. Um, the the defense on that Claypool touchdown where he walked in was like we said. It looked like everyone thought that looked like a bunch of guys had never played together before. Broken coverages. I you had him. No, I had uh, who had him. And it was like everyone kind of just looked like a deer in the headlights with their hands kind of like what do we do? Where do we go? Um, Thanks. I don't know. I don't know what your what your view was on that one. We may never know because the internet may never work. Yeah, uh, the Claypool touchdown with like three minutes. Yeah, left. it's a fucking joke. Uh, the the touchdown with Claypool. It looked like everyone was just trapped out there. Yeah, they should not know where to go. It was a tough, tough, tough one to watch. It was a tough one to watch. I think we can do more of the the total season postscript in the uh, in the show this week, but just to, just overall, it's a tough one to end because you know you come in and on August first, you feel like you're a Super Bowl favorite and you end out of the playoffs. That's that's about as disappointing as it gets. Well, and I mean, six weeks ago they were eight and three. They were the number one seed in the AFC at eight and three, which is I mean again crazy to think about just just how in the in the blink of an eye. Six straight games and 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 you know they go on six in that time. But I don't know. I mean, like like you said, every every this week is going to be filled with fire Roman, fire Harbaugh, fire Wink, fire this guy, fire that guy. We need this. We need that. Like it's already starting. Um, the fire, the fire yeah. Roman and all that. And it's it'll it'll be interesting because I, I mean I think changes have to be made. I don't know where. I don't know who. Um, but. I don't know if I, really I would interesting. coordinators in place. I don't know like what they're going to go do that is going to really like shake it up to change. I, I, I just, I think, and the Ravens, I think do a good job of this. I don't think there's a ton of need to like overreact to a lot of the things that happen. You were on the good end to start and the bad end of a lot of like games that could have gone either way. Like g- give me the year. RDT, but the, what the 2000, what was it? 12 Orioles, 13 Orioles who won the, what, what was the record when one, uh, one game? Like, oh yeah. It was like 28 and four or something like, like that. The Ravens were like the exact opposite of that for the last month. Like they, they, they just they couldn't catch a break to win, you know, one game, which would have ended up getting them into the playoffs. So I don't know. And w- without your, the, without the guy, by the way, that your entire team is built around for the last three or four weeks or whatever it's been. I don't think you overreact 
to that by making a lot of wholesale coaching changes personally. And you have a lot of personnel that will be back that is effective. It's just, if you can get everybody back healthy, now, I wouldn't say run it back. You don't want to run back what just happened, but like you're in, you're still in a good position. They do have to figure out the Lamar Jackson extension. That's the biggest storyline of the offseason for me. But we, you know, there'll be a lot of time to talk about that. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I'm sure that everyone assumes it's going to get done. It's going to have to get done. And I was going to ask, I guess maybe homework for, for this week coming up for you two is what's going to be the, the storyline of the offseason, like for the Ravens. Cause if yeah. there's going to be something that people harp on, I mean, you know, is it going to be like, Ronnie Stanley, is it going to be, it's going to be shoring up the offensive line or, or it's, I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting off season for them, especially because I think right now they have the 14th pick. And I mean, yeah. again, if you give this the healthy roster and knock on wood, that's obviously everything on paper looks so much better, but this roster, plus you add the 14th pick, there's like, there's, there's, there's a move. And plus they, now they get that fourth place schedule. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen their, the, the away schedule. The away schedule is very easy. I think the best home game, too, they have is – the hardest one is going to be the Bills, which that doesn't really scare – they're going to be good, but they, they don't knock your socks off, I don't think, right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the offseason is going yeah. to be a very interesting one, you know, like that we haven't seen, I think, in some, in some time. Do we – yeah, I guess we officially finished last in the division. Yeah, cool. that, that's what I – and again, division, I saw someone else. Division I saw someone, five record in the division. I mean, someone being like, "Well, you know, I'd rather take the fourth place schedule." So here, I can, I have it right here. Home is Cincy, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Miami, Atlanta, Carolina, Denver. They could win every one of those games. Yeah. If you want to mark down Cincinnati and and Buffalo as losses, sure. And I think you'd be fine with the rest of that schedule. The away schedule: Cincinnati, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, New England. The Jets, New Orleans, Tampa, Jacksonville, and the Giants. I mean, Jacksonville and the Giants are the swing games. I mean, in particular, boy, are the Giants bad in terms of like the the strength of schedule. Yeah, based and the Giants are yeah they're they're not good and they're they're not progressing either. They're, no, they're they're a whole mess in itself. They are probably going to have a rookie quarterback. We're getting very in the weeds here, but that, I mean, they're going to have a rookie quarterback next year. But j- j- again, just looking at those schedules. The, team, the only two teams that scare you, I think, are Cincinnati and Buffalo, and obviously Tampa Bay. Everyone else is like, sure, bring them on. I, yeah. I, I think when the schedule comes out, I think Ravens fans are going to be like, all right, this is it, 12 and 5, you know. I think when I just see guys in football uniforms again in, in late July, I'm going to be like licking my chops. Because this roster is a Super Bowl roster. I'll say it a million times. I'll go down with the shit saying it. The Super Bowl roster, as much as we can bring back, Run that shit back. Revenge Tour 2022. There you have it. Print the shirts. Yeah. Print the shirts. Print the shirts. Ready. I, we're going to make those shirts. That's going to happen. Let's make, the, let's make the shirts. Let's start, let's start getting yeah. the signs ready. We'll, we'll, we'll whip that up. That, that, that's the biggest offseason storyline. When do we drop our Revenge Tour shirts? It'll be scheduled release. Yeah. We'll figure it out. By the way, cheap trick. Woo! Cheap trick at halftime. My golly. What a that's, a, that's a fantastic performance. <laughs> hey, what a halftime show. Was, oh, my was, gosh. Was it was something else, man. I'll say what. Tri- so let me tell you what. The Ravens are really appealing to everyone under 40 with that one. <laughs> well, they got the Guitar, the guitar Hero audience. They do. They do. That's, no, that's I'm not, the thing. Yeah. I'm not hating on Cheap Trick. I, I'm sure they were very, very good. Mommy's I'm just saying. All right. 
Yeah, it is. They rolled his balls, man. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and not that your entire fan base is under 40. They, I mean, there are many people older than They that. play the same goddamn music every Sunday at that stadium. It is the same 70s and 80s Led Zeppelin and Metallica and ACDC and Beatles on loop. It's the same thing every time. I feel like at the stadium, it's always like low cash performing. It's like, all right, how many songs can these guys sing? Like, low cash, I think, was in the area this year. Yeah, they were, they, they, they weren't the ones it. who picked up the phone. How was the T-Sizzle intro? We'll get out of here on that. A positive note. Uh, I felt as though it would have had a lot more steam if we just had a real football team out there. Yeah, it was just <laughs> not it. I mean, like, it, ha- it happens every time. Pittsburgh fans are going to show up at the stadium. They were in their seats early for obvious reasons today. And so that all happens when, when the crowd's trickling in from the tailgate and everything. And uh, they were just – they were there, you know. And, uh, and it just didn't feel like it had the same energy that it would have otherwise had. If, By the way, that's a guy they can bring just, back every year and, and it's going to have an effect on the fan base. Just bring him back. Every yeah. Year. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the crowd and, like, the, the – because, again, all the tweets early on were like, well, I don't know if you guys saw, but, like, real fan Dan's – his Facebook post didn't really work because he was like, don't sell your tickets to Steeler fans. Come to the game, show out, you know, blah, blah, blah. See Big Ben off. I mean, and- I mean can, can I – this is going to maybe be slander to, like, the great believers in Real Fan Dan. I know that Banks is tweeting about Real Fan Dan. and people, well, I'm getting texts about Real Fan Dan being it. Like, is anyone looking – It's people going. Is anyone looking at Real Fan, Real Fan Dan's Facebook posts and, like, deciding not to sell their tickets? <laughs> I mean, does that guy really have the budget? <laughs> I, I also just thought, like – like, like, I'm sorry. I don't care. Real fan Dan has to say, man, that's how I like to turn my fandom of the Ravens. Like, like I, if I would have, if I would have had seats and you seen that post and been like, you know what? Do I sell these tickets and make an extra 200 bucks and I could sit on my couch in a 75 degree room where I can go freeze my balls off in 30 degree freezing rain? Like, you know what? Yeah. Like what would real fan Dan do? It's like, dude, no, don't fucking tell people what to do with their tickets. Like, make make your money and go sit at home. If like, you're willing to buy the season tickets, you've already invested your time as a fan. You do whatever you want with your tickets. That's just my thought on that on that situation. Like, you you've invested in the team. If you bought your PSLs or you bought your season tickets, like Banks buys the season tickets, you should be able to do what you want with those tickets. Those are, you you invested in the team. Sorry, real I fan. went to the game and I, I freeze my ass off. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes. Do so I feel good about it? Yeah, yeah. Real fan. I'm glad I didn't sell them though. I'm glad I didn't sell them and have somebody else. No, and I'm not saying I'm not like giving people a pass for selling their tickets. I just think like no one should be shamed. Was it? Wasn't there like a real fan Dan thing where he like left very early of a blowout game one time and people were like, people were like, real fan Dan. Like he's not even a real fan. He didn't even take a shot. I'm pretty sure that that was. Fireman Ed that you're thinking about. Oh, I th- I think well no Fireman Ed just straight up quit on them. Yeah, I think Fireman Fireman Ed just put on the chats. I that was an all time. People forget that it just Fireman Ed quitting and then coming back and then he came back like nothing was the matter. Yeah, I think Real Fan Dan did something like that because there was someone who used to tweet at me and been like Real Fan Dan is not even standing up and I'm like I don't doesn't do anything for me buddy and and then he came back and it, and <laughs> the guy was like pointing at him like everyone here is a fraud for cheering for you. Um, it was something. Hopefully, someone can come through with that. But yeah, this uh, it's gonna be a lot to digest for this uh, this upcoming episode. Lot to digest. We will uh, we will go through um, our biggest storylines of the off season, some positional group talk, 
Um, I'll bring up Banks' least favorite things. Maybe do a little mock draft talk early and often here. No, I can't do that. Mm. Can't do that. All right, all right. Picks aren't set. Can't do that. Um, and uh, we'll 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 try to roll through the uh, the off season here and uh, and pick up the pieces on this week's show. So um, this is our last instant analysis of the of the Ravens season. Uh, I want to thank you guys for you know talking to me after they, all these games and you know. We, you know, we had some good times. We had some bad times. We want to thank all the fans for listening um, each week. And uh, we'll be back for the normal show, and uh, baseball will be starting here soon, hopefully. I mean, who, actually, who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe baseball. Ahead of ourselves here. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll keep, we'll keep rolling with the weekly shows. But we'll, we, hopefully John Means just throws another no-hitter. So this isn't, we have one Orioles since analysis of the year. Let, it, let us pray. Let us pray. Um, that's it. Analysis. Oh, thanks. We'll probably mix in an Adley instant analysis, like when he gets called up or something. Oh yeah, true. Oh that's yeah, that'll probably yeah. be the emergency podcast. Yeah, because, uh, RDT will be like fainted on the ground, so it'll be me and Banks talking as RDT just sort of like is splayed out after, um, you know, Adley debuts, hits a couple homers in his debut. I mean, you're going to be at the state. You're going to go, RDT. Yeah, like it'll it'll be we'll like go. we'll go. We'll go to if we're we'll, all able. We'll go to at least maybe we do it. We'll do it live from the stadium. Maybe do it live from a, p- a pickles pregame. Sure. Do a little, sure. little yeah. walk over. Yeah. For Grayson's, we're going to have to do the gas can thing. We're going to have to show out for Grayson's. I mean, he's he's the guy's the biggest X two X fifty two fan in the country. So yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have some good stuff planned for that. Well, boys, that'll that'll do it. Follow Banks at Barstool Banks. I'm sure you're going to see a lot of showering Dexter gifts over the next few weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. Follow Eric at E D I T T I twenty two. You can follow me at Taylor Spine ten. You can follow the podcast at Exit fifty two podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for everyone for for listening to the X the yeah excuse me the instant analysis as we've gone through the year. And we'll see you back for the weekly show. This has been the Exit fifty two podcast presented by Jimmy's Seafood.